Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, Harry Simu from the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, and 90 Min head of UK content, TC Top Cat, Toby Cudworth. How are we all doing today? Harry, I'll come to you first because Arsenal are top of the Premier League and apparently are going to win the title. I've seen some Arsenal fans already saying it. So can you guarantee that? It's already done, Scott. It's already done. They're going to win it by at least 12 points. It's all guaranteed. It's all wrapped up. It's all done. We might as well stop playing football. now. I'm just kidding. But um, now we'll, interestingly, we'll, clip that. we'll clip that before yeah, you said clip it. Go for it. Interestingly, Mo Salah actually named Arsenal in the title race um, in the lead up to tonight's game, which I, I don't actually like. I don't want us to be... We're not going to win the title. Let's get that straight. We're not even going to compete for the title. But I don't like this added expectation on Arsenal at the moment. I'd prefer to just quietly go about our business. But when you're top of the league, that doesn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, Toby, West Ham, bottom of the league. Man United, yeah. one one massive place ahead of the Irons. Yeah, not so good for us. We can't score a goal. We were absolutely awful yesterday against Brighton, who are now 11 games unbeaten against us. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're probably not going to be challenging for Europe at this rate. We yeah, we are enjoy our conference league while we've got it. <laughs> we are recording ahead of Man United versus Liverpool on Monday night. Uh, so if you're listening to this show after that, Man United have probably lost four or five nil. Uh, and you're back to the bottom of the league. And we're back to the bottom of the league. Graham, how are Middlesbrough doing in the championship? Yeah, very much copying the form of Manchester United and West Ham United. Won't call it the United as you're not winning that bet. Um yeah, we're not doing too well at the moment. But hey, we haven't we the daily start has caught us out. It's a bit like United, Scott. You're United that if it was a month further on, our squad would be just about there. But hey, let's see how what September awaits. Let's see what happens in September. But no. Um our Premier League promotion push isn't quite on. Are you gonna lose um Isaiah Jones, Graham? Because you've had such a shocking start. Is he gonna be on anyone's deadline day list? I imagine he will be, as he's one of the best players in the championship. As I was, and I, as I told you all, that he was by far the better than between him and Jed Spence. Um, no, but he won't be going. Him and him and Ryan Giles are doing really well. We just have to sort our strikers out. But no, he won't be going anywhere this month. Maybe January if he carries on this form. Who's to say? We are anticipating a busy, busy, busy end to the transfer window. We are what about? Nine days away, ten days away from the from transfer deadline day. Uh, we'll see how regularly we manage to put this podcast together uh, as we tick forward because everything seems to change really fast. Uh, we did a show last week. Then Man United signed Casemiro out of absolutely nowhere. So we haven't even had a chance to talk about that yet. Uh, before we get into today's show, please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes, and follow us all on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, at Harry Simeu, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. This is a 
weekly show about where we'll dig into the latest on the futures of the biggest names in world football. And today we'll be talking Arsenal, Pedro Neto, uh, a potential new signing for Wolves, William Saliba, the West Ham section slash, I can't believe I'm saying this, Toby, but the irons in the fire as it's been dubbed. Go. Oh, Goodness me. Lovely. I hate myself. Uh, we'll talk Man United. We'll talk Anthony, Gakpo, De Jong, et cetera, et cetera. We'll do some Chelsea towards the end of the show as well, who are trying to sign a number of different players after getting smashed by Leeds on Sunday. Uh, Aubameyang, Anthony Gordon, Wesley Fofana. And we'll do some Newcastle chat at the end of the show because I know Graham loves that and or should I say United chat? Because uh, apparently the best performing United in the league. Who is that? Is that Leeds or Newcastle? That might be Leeds. I think it's Leeds, yeah. Leeds, third place Leeds United. So they, none of they the United. The bet, were they? They went in, but I said I was taking both North East teams, so it counts as fine. Leeds United, third in the Premier League. No room for them in the show today. But yes, uh, that's where we'll start. Uh, as I, no, That's where we'll start. We'll start with Arsenal. Harry, because Arsenal are top of the Premier League table. And as we have just reported on 90 Min, as we record this, Pedro Neto is among the players who's been offered to Arsenal. Uh, Graham, we reported last week that uh, Arsenal weren't the only team there uh, in this running, but his agents have offered Chelsea, Man United and Arsenal the opportunity to sign him. It seems like Arsenal are biting a little bit. I'll come to Harry first before I bring you back in, Graham. You wrote a piece, uh, which you can probably find on 90min.com. By now, red flags Arsenal must consider with Pedro Neto. Why? Yeah, I just... There, there's, there's a few things that sort of jump out to me when I was kind of breaking it down with Pedro Neto this morning. I kind of woke up, saw the news, um, and saw that it had gained even more traction than it had in the weeks prior um, started to read into it, started to look into Pedro Neto a little bit more. I actually realised that I, I haven't seen Pedro Neto in full 90-minute periods as as much as I'd have liked. So I appreciate that my view comes from a place maybe where there's a bit of a lack of education. But just reading into Pedro Neto's history, looking into sort of what type of player he is, the profile of player he is, I think there's some positives, but I do think there are some red flags as well. And those red flags for me are, first of all, the serious knee injury that he had, which kept him out from April 2021 until February 2022. Um, it's a serious problem. People tell me and people say that Pedro Neto has recovered from that really, really well, but you never know. And that will always be something in the back of my mind. And I think as a football club, it's part of the process, right? To to do your due diligence, to make sure that there's a thorough medical that takes place. But that would be of concern to me. Um and also his lack of outputs. Arsenal are looking for a winger, we understand. And and obviously Mikel Arteta was quoted as saying in his post-match press conference after the Bournemouth game when asked about the transfer market that we know we still need to bring in, and I quote, a bit more firepower. That's what he said. Does Pedro Neto bring the firepower that he's looking for? Statistically, he doesn't. He scored nine Premier League goals and got 10 assists in 76 Premier League appearances. And when you look across the league, there are a lot of wingers that you would say then in that on that basis have got much better outputs and would be more deserving of the move. So for me, this is one that if Arsenal do it, they'll be doing it largely based on the potential and the ceiling of the player and where they think he can get to. So, of course, it poses a risk. 
when I say red flags, I mean things that you should consider, not necessarily things that mean you should walk away from the deal. I compared it on my podcast earlier today to when you get a survey done on a house that you're buying, things will get flagged up that maybe are not ideal, but they might not be necessarily things that would mean you walk away from the purchase. And that's where I kind of am with this, with this Pedro Neto thing. And the other thing that I've got nagging in the back of my mind throughout all of this is, is a winger really what Arsenal should be looking to do in terms of priorities for what's left of the window? It's clear that Arsenal think a winger is very high up the list. We've heard links to wingers throughout the entire summer. But for me, there's still a greater need in the centre of midfield. And I'd like to see that addressed first. So I think that's partly playing into my not dislike of the idea of Pedro Neto coming to Arsenal, but maybe my reservations around whether, A, this is worth what it's going to cost us. Graham might be able to tell us more, but I think it's probably going to be 40, 50 million pounds at the absolute minimum. And then, of course, 40 odd million for Gibbs White. I mean, yeah, that that deal for Gibbs White was including the add-ons, 42 and a half million pounds. So Wolves have already set the tone. They're not going to let players go on the cheap. We know, you know, we're going to talk a little bit later on about players that they're potentially interested in and, and maybe this funds that for them. I don't know. But yeah, I, I like the player, but they are just a couple of things for me that kind of make me a little bit reserved in kind of jumping on this bandwagon and going, this would be an amazing signing. I'm not sure it's going to be that. What can you tell us about Pedro Neto, Graham? Yeah, he, he's a player, as we reported last week, George Mendes is, um, is offering him around. Not because he's available technically, because Wolves will say he isn't, but he thinks the right time is for him to move now. He thinks clubs are out there who want this right-side player, and he's right. You know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United all want a right-sided forward. We know Arsenal do, having bid for Rafinha, didn't get him. And, yeah, I can understand what Harry's saying, but I like Neto a lot for me. And when I was being speaking to people in the background, say, look, look at Diogo Jota, he wasn't a marquee signing. And I don't think Neto necessarily would be, you know. Arsenal made a lot of big signs this summer and he wouldn't be in the top three, arguably. But I think he's a terrific footballer and I think he suits Arsenal down the ground. I think he's a really, really good signing. And I think, as Harry said as well, he does have a high ceiling. I think he's got a really, really high ceiling. I think he's got like a Sadio Mane type high ceiling. I think it could be an absolute cracker of a signing. Um, they are going to try to make room for him by moving Nicolas Pepe on. The, the Premier League clubs who did show an interest in him are still nibbling, but they haven't quite bitten. It looks like Nice are pushing to get him and unlo- him away on loan. So, yeah, I think we'll see a bit on this. And, uh, yeah, Arsenal are having talks with Mendes. It, it might not be as much as 50, I think. You know, the overall deal to start off, it might be less than 40. It might go up towards 50 with add-ons. Um, and if you Wolves, you would do add-ons with Arsenal, wouldn't you? If they're going to be as good as we think they might be, you would do plenty of add-ons. So, no, it's progressing. They have talks. Chelsea United haven't been completely ruled out of the picture yet, but they seem to have other targets or preferential targets for them. But yeah, Arsenal like him a lot. And it's not a player who Arsenal suddenly got offered by Mendes and thought, ooh, we quite like him. They have done the homework on this guy. They've been watching him uh, for much of the year. And in terms of his, of his knee, Harry, I think he has he has shown his knees fine, hence his five-year deal in, in March to protect his value. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, he's a good one, this one. I think he's possible superstar, Neto. Uh, Graham, I know you like Anthony. Uh, mm. We'll talk about him later in the show. If you had to pick one, I, I'd go Anthony, but then again, he is costing twice as much. Mm. That, that, that's the debate in the United circles at the moment, the Manchester United circles. I think Neto is, is, yeah, again, I think Neto 
I think Anthony's got a higher ceiling, but Neto's Premier League proven. And I think he's a quality performer. And yeah, it's a tough one. But I say, yeah, Anthony, he probably does have a higher ceiling than Pedro Neto. But again, he's costing twice as much on top of that. Toby, I'm guessing you'd like both of them. I'd take anybody <laughs> at this point, to be honest. Um, but I think Pedro Neto for Arsenal, I think he'd be really good. If he can stay fit, and it's only been that one, that one long-term knee injury that he's had, I think he's a very, very good player who would offer Arsenal a different dimension to their attack. And perhaps most importantly, he can play on the right wing and on the left wing. And then that gives Arteta a bit more positional flexibility with Gabriel Martinelli if he doesn't want to bring Eddie Nketiah off the bench. If Jesus is out of the team for whatever reason, I think Nicolas Pepe has got found out a little bit um, at the highest level. He was good on the right, not so effective on the left. Um, Neto is a a step up from him and he's only 22, I believe. Um, So he's got the best years of his career ahead of him. He's really highly thought of at Wolves, hence the five-year deal. Um, So it might seem like a lot of money and I understand everything that Harry said there about priorities and perhaps needing to bring in a central midfielder. But Neto strikes me as one of those players that if you get offered the chance to sign him, you consider it and you you probably make the move if you've got the financial firepower to do it. So, um, yeah, I'd expect him to go if Arsenal make a bid. Nicolas Pepe, Harry, before we move on. Goodness me. That was a disaster. Yeah, it's turned out to be a disaster. And ultimately, the man who sanctioned that deal from an Arsenal perspective lost his job pretty shortly after that as well. Um, and, and rightly so, because he got it horribly wrong. It was one of a number of transfers that Arsenal got horribly wrong at that time and during that period. But that one gets talked about a lot because of the value, obviously, and Arsenal still paying for that now. Um, I do think, though, that Arsenal as a football club, probably Mikel Arteta more than anybody else, have not done everything to try and get the best out of Nicolas Pepe. Like, I don't feel like we've gone above and beyond to get to this point where we've decided it ha- it's not going to work. That's not to say that Mikel Arteta is wrong in doing that because Bukayo Saka is a much better player and he's ultimately been the one that's playing in that position. So I'm not wishing to dig out Mikel Arteta, but I do... There were some games last season, we were talking about this on the pod the other day, there were some games last season where Mikel Arteta was looking at the team, desperately needing to make a change. And Bukayo Saka, after 65, 70 minutes, was totally spent. Like, he had nothing left in the tank. And even then, Nicolas Pepe never got a go. He never got the opportunity to come on. And we know he can score goals. He's proven that throughout his career. We know he can provide assists. We know his unpredictability really brings something to the table. So to completely overlook him all the time made me feel as though Arsenal hadn't gone that extra mile to try and make this work. And then we saw him come on against Wolves, who we were talking about, funnily enough, a minute ago and really impact the game. Again, proof he can do it. But you're asking someone to come off the bench for six, seven minutes at a time. You can't expect the world from them. And I do feel a bit sorry for him. I think he needs to move on. We'd have loved to have got some money in for him, but that's not going to be the case. He's going to go out on loan. He just needs to play football. Maybe 12 months down the line, if he gets his career back on track, Arsenal can recuperate some of that money then. But at the moment, I don't think they've got much choice but to let him go, but to let him go and play football. And clearly the acquisition of a winger, whether it be Pedro Neto or somebody else, is dependent on Nicolas Pepe moving out as well because of 
the need to subsidise some of his wages at least. Um, so yeah, we'll see. But I'm, I, I think he needs to go. I'm okay with him going, but there is a tiny part of me that thinks we could have done more with Nicolas Pepe. And I don't think we exhausted all of the options with him. He did obviously score a goal against Manchester United in one game before, uh, because who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> we'll talk William Saliba in a minute, but since we're on Neto and the topic, uh, Wolves looking like they're moving for a striker, Graham. We'll dip back to Arsenal in a second. Yeah, Kladzic, the, um just took out a striker. One of you know, Scott Hammond, one of the main strikers that you boys have been linked to, Manchester United this summer. Um, yeah, so talks are ongoing. I just got a message about this apparently in the um telling me that um valuations are still they're still apart in valuations, apparently, Wolves and Stuttgart. So this one's ongoing, personal terms not done yet. But Wolves are looking for that central striker. They're one of the teams who are in for Goncalo Ramos at Benfica as well. So yeah, um one of the he's a six foot seven, isn't he? Big front man, good standing for him and there's I think Wolves are lacking this area, they know, they know they have been. So, yeah, fully expect Wolves to be a striker in. And Kaladzic talks are ongoing, as they are with Goncalo Ramos at Benfica as well. Speaking of talks, back to Arsenal. William Saliba, Graham. Yeah, yeah, me and Harry had a little conversation off air, didn't we? we for early early days when I was having to go at Harry for saying he can play in the Caribou Cup. And and I'm, I think we're both very happy at the outcome, though, because I always said Saliba was Arsenal's best defender. He's coming and proving it. And Harry's suddenly got the best defender in the Premier League on form at the minute. So he's absolutely chipper. So it's it's great for everyone. But he's he is out of contract in 2024. But and as we did a report last week or the week before, Arsenal are already keen to sit down with him. They're making efforts. They know they need to tie this boy down. They know what an absolute rules royce so a gem of the signing they've got here. Best young player in France last year. And 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 some of us I, I did anyway. When he was on loan at Marseille and he got a French cap, thinking. The France, the France sat badly off and they put Arsenal reserve in. But having seen him already this season, we realised Didier Deschamps knew what he was doing and he is that good. And yeah, I fully expect Arsenal to get him tied down within the next few weeks. They're doing everything they can to make sure that this doesn't even become a conversation about his future. Harry, uh, who's getting player of the month from Arsenal? Uh, Premier League Player of the Month, probably. I'd, I mean, William Saliba's quite up there. Gabri, Gabby Jesus, I would imagine. There's probably another game left this month yet for them. But, well, there is. Yeah. But uh, Arsenal have been amazing first three games. Yeah, things are going really, really well. Um, I talked about on, on the gas tank the other week, the importance of Arsenal starting games quickly and starting games well. And that when they set the tone that way, they're very, very difficult to stop. And once they get their noses in front... They now have the tools to be able to dominate possession, to control games and offer a threat on the break with the likes of Saka and Martinelli and Jesus, who can all run in behind. When Lacazette was up top, you didn't have that. So it's a much more rounded squad. It's a much more balanced team. Still early days. Um, and we've beaten teams that we should be beating, really, if we have aspirations of making the top four. I completely get that. But um, in terms of the player of the month thing, for me, I would give it to Saliba because this guy's come out from nowhere. Um, yes, he was playing in France. I think he's been a little bit fortunate in that he found himself in a position where Takahiro Tomiyasu was injured going into the campaign because what that meant was that Mikel Arteta had to do something at right back. I, I do genuinely believe that Ben White would have started at centre-back alongside Gabriel at the beginning of the campaign had Tomiyasu been fit because that's what Arteta did all of last season when they were available and they were a very good partnership. So he's kind of stumbled across this a little bit accidentally, but Ben White's doing well at right back and Saliba 
is doing a great job alongside Gabriel, who I think the two of them really complement each other. I'd give it to Saliba just because of the fact that he's come from another league. He's come back with a lot of speculation around him. You know, what was his feeling towards Mikel Arteta, given what happened before? How was that all going to go? I think the way he's just got his head down and got on with it. He has scored an own goal, which some people might say you should take the award away from him for that on that basis. But for me, the way he's reacted to that and responded to that and the goal at the weekend was tremendous. So I would give it to him, but there's four or five names you could put into the picture here, which is an indication of how good the start's been. Fulham next. Goodness me. Mm-hmm. Expecting 100% uh, from the first month of the season from Arsenal then. Putting the I, pressure right on. I prefer not to speak. <laughs> <laughs> what, what time they right back though, Harry? Because you must need a right back. If Ben White, I know you said Ben White's playing well, but he's not a right back, is he? You, you well, need, um, what's wrong? Is, do you, need, you did go for Aaron Hickey a little bit, didn't you? So you obviously, there is a little bit of a need there for a right back. Well, Tommy Yasu's back fit and available now. Um, he hasn't come into the team yet because Mikel doesn't want to change it, but he is back in the picture. Cedric Suarez is at the club as well. Ah, Cedric, but, about Cedric. But when did you not watch the documentary, Graham? He was... I did. You know what? There was a player in that documentary who I didn't know who it was, and then I did look into it. I did. I, I thought, who's that? I looked. It was Cedric. I must admit, I didn't recognise him at all. <laughs> but when you think about the role that the right back is playing at the moment, then I think Ben White can do it. Um, I'm not saying that it's ideal. I, I don't think it's ideal. But much like Zinchenko, he's stepping infield. He's becoming part of like a midfield three with Partey and Zinchenko when Arsenal have the ball. And then they squeeze Gabriel and Saliba right up to the halfway line. And if anybody drops a ball in over the top, you trust in those two that they've got the pace to get out to that player while those fullbacks who are in inverted positions can drop into centre-back. It's a really well-oiled machine at the moment and it suits Ben White because of that. As a conventional right-back, though, it doesn't work and you need to readdress that. But when you think about Tommy Asu and his profile, it makes you realise that this is what Arteta had all along because even he really is a centre-back. It's all about occupying certain spaces and that's why it's needed time for Arteta to get specialist players in the areas that he wants to occupy. So, yeah. Are you dropping Ben White or Gabriel? Oh, at the moment, if Tommy you've Asu. got to take out... Yeah, at the moment, it's Tommy Asu that's out of the team. Um, and and that's that. You know, he's been out for a long time. He was unreliable from an injury perspective at the back end of last season. And the same with Kieran Tierney. They're both fantastic players, but there's no reason to change it right now. Um, but we've got those options. And as you saw at the weekend, Tierney came on and played like a second left back towards the end of the game, just a bit of extra security. And you've now got that option in the big games, but Europa League's coming as well. There's going to be lots of changes. There's going to be lots of opportunities for everyone. How I exciting. Just, I just, sorry, Scott. I just want to add, you mentioned Zinchenko. And I said before we started the podcast, how good and how impressed mm-hmm. I've been with him. I think he's key to how Arsenal are, are playing right now. I know you've had three games that you should win on paper. But those are three games that Arsenal wouldn't have necessarily won in seasons gone by. And they haven't won them just because of Zinchenko. But his touch and his positional awareness and his recovery of the ball has been outstanding. And he offers something completely different to Kieran Tierney, who's a a very good defender in his own right. But I don't think he's got the all-around game that Zinchenko has got. And actually having him on the other side has probably negated the fact that Ben White is playing at right back. Um, Although Ben White's looked good in his own right. I think Arsenal are looking very well, very well oiled, as you've said, Harry. Um, But Zinchenko's got a big part to play in that. 
It's also added another dimension to the attack and it's also freed up Granit Xhaka, who looks a much better player without all of that defensive responsibility because Zinchenko can go on the outside, but he can also step on the inside. And with Tierney, it's a little bit one-dimensional in that he's always going to make that overlapping run. And people at the start of last season were really critical of Arsenal always looking to Tierney on the outside as the option. Now there's a variety of, of things that we can do and and that's what's making them much more difficult to defend against. Let's move on. Iron's in the fire. Your time to shine, Toby. <laughs> Tell us what's happening at bottom of the table until 9pm Monday. Well, the, well, the first thing to say is that the, one of the biggest trends on Twitter right now is Moyes out. Hashtag Moyes out. That's how some West Ham fans are feeling about um, his team selection because West Ham have signed players this summer, as we know. But it's a very familiar starting lineup, and West Ham have been found out a little bit, and particularly against Brighton yesterday. As I said at the start of the show, they were awful. Um, but they are trying to address that with more players coming in. It's, it's not massively changed since last week, really. Emerson Palmieri from Chelsea, West Ham moved for him. It then stalled and looked like it wasn't going to happen. But those talks have re-engaged, and a fee with Chelsea is agreed. It's fifteen million overall, thirteen plus two in add-ons, but it's just trying to agree that package with the player himself and his representatives. But West Ham want that one done before the end of this week. Um, Hans Vanneken is another player West Ham have already made a bid for that was rejected. He's an attacking midfielder from Club Bruges. Talks ongoing. West Ham expected to put in a second improved bid. And the player actually said in an interview, a bit bizarrely, on the pitch yesterday... Um, after Club Bruja played, that he wants to join West Ham. So we know where his allegiances lie. It's just West Ham needing to agree a fee, which, as we've seen over the summer, they do love a good low ball offer first up to try and get the best possible deal. But that hasn't happened in this case. And then there's domestic loans that West Ham are considering. So Conor Gallagher and Armando Broja have been linked. Conor Gallagher, we've reported previously, West Ham made an inquiry and Chelsea knocked that back. He actually started for Chelsea against Leeds at the weekend and did himself absolutely no favours by getting hooked at half-time. Um, but West Ham need to bring in another central midfielder to break up that Rice-Socek midfield pivot that's just gone so stale. Um, Declan Rice has had a slow start to the season, but Thomas Socek looks a million miles away from the player who won Club Player of the Year in 2020-2021. New centre-back would be considered as well, if possible. But you've got, you got Flynn Downs, Toby. Why do you need another midfielder? Flynn Downs, for, by all accounts, David Moyes said in an interview yesterday that if the new signings don't get up to speed quickly, they're not going to play. And I think that's a direct dig at the likes of Flynn Downs. I would imagine you know someone, Toby, do you know someone who could get up to speed straight away? Would it be? Would it? be somebody who wears number 39 at Manchester United and you're desperate you, to get rid of. You, you definitely know what I'm getting at. <laughs> Scott McTominay. Yeah, he's, um, Manchester United were approached by a number of Premier League or they're aware of Premier League clubs being interested in McTominay. David Moyes likes him. David Moyes picked Scott McTominay as one of his players to watch at Euro 2020. So don't rule that out, I guess. If United are willing to do that with Casemiro coming in, it makes sense because they need a hard-working, tenacious midfielder and somebody who could allow West Ham to play 4-3-3, not 4-2-3-1, which is what they're playing right now and it's just not working. All this time we've been imagining Scott McTominay and Declan Rice in a Man United midfield. 
we had it wrong. We had it wrong all along. Yeah. We might have obviously, uh, you know, Scott McTominay's time on the pitch might be limited. Uh, Casemiro is basically confirmed, and United still do want another central midfielder as well. Any anything else to add on West Ham before we move over to the other? awful football team I just think they'd like another striker if they could um, somebody to play another role in addition to Antonio and Skamaka could be Brozier but from our understanding he actually has rejected going to West Ham and that's probably out of a fear of regular game time but ideally West Ham would want to bring somebody in if it was available Fair play Manchester United obviously a big section in every single show that we do, and it looks like they're going to be busy. Now, uh, there's a protest planned outside Old Trafford by the fans. Uh, Graham is laughing. Uh, why are you laughing, Graham? Because the club could be about to spend a quarter of a billion pounds on new players. And Should yeah, they but... not have done that in May or June, Graham? But it's the fact that they... <laughs> You know, obviously we'll hear the Gary Neville spiel. It's not their money, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like it's not as if David Sullivan's taking his visa card over to Belgium and giving it to Club Bruges, is it? Everyone uses club money to make signings. It's... But Man United are bottom of the league with West Ham. Should they oh, yeah, not don't... be held to a higher regard? But, but, but they've done a lot of things that the club asked them. Though. They wanted a clear structure in there. They've appointed Richard Arnold instead of Woodward, who they're desperate to get out. He is then, in turn, being given... John Murta, the football lead football operations. We've got the manager in that most of the most of the fans, fair enough, 50, well, probably 50-50, Ten Hag and Pochettino, but most of the fans were fairly happy with Ten Hag. So they've done nearly everything they wanted. And it's not the Glazers picking these players. But it was the Glazers who hired John Murta. It's also is the Glazers it, who let Edward Wood take charge of transfers for 10 years and they're now yeah. 19th in the Premier League. Right? Yeah, it was You're going to cop a lot of flack. It, it, it was the Glazers. I, 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 want, I won't take those. It was the Glazers who appointed Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, who, yeah, has taken the club back about five to 10 years in, on the field. So I do appreciate that. Uh, how are United going to get out of this mess then? Because uh, we reported last week that they would like to sign five players and that was not including a backup goalkeeper. So... <laughs> Possibly six. Casemiro looks like he... Well, Casemiro will be the first one. They've finally, after four years, decided to sign a defensive midfielder. Finally. Does this mean Unbelievable. you don't need... You don't need Declan Rice anymore, do you? That is... I was thinking about that the other day. You, yeah. Declan Rice. What, what happens I mean, now? I can't... Envisage your world where you have... This show better form what he's doing now, doesn't it, TSA? Um, it's, it's bad little, form is what that's, you need that's, that's keeping around bonus, yeah that's a little bonus for you, if we it? have to go through this period of struggle just for Declan Rice interest to drop absolutely fine but yeah Casemiro's in for what four years and another 12 months you don't need him Scott it's the end of well that unless room. his transfer fails like every single Man United transfer bar three in the last 10 years uh, Graham what are we what are we looking at here then because we listed uh, defensive midfield Casemiro Central midfield, we'll talk that in a second. Uh, a, a wide forward, a striker, a right back, and a potential backup goalkeeper. We've seen names uh, from Asmir Begovic to Jan Sommer linked in the last few days. I'd actually take Jan Sommer, to be honest. But um, yeah, Graham, where should we start? Anthony, perhaps best place to start because United have been after him all summer. Uh, Eric Ten Hag worked with him at Ajax. Ajax have rejected offers, but Anthony is now starting to turn up the heat on Ajax a little bit, and United are still in for him 
What's the chances of this one coming off, do you think? Yeah, we did a piece, um, quite a few pieces, actually, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we did quite a few pieces. Anthony really wants this move, and Ajax, from what I'm hearing at Dutch End, they think United are going to offer the club record, which is what they previously asked for. It's taken him a little bit by surprise, but, you know, I think Ajax are a sensible club. If, if United do come in with this 92 to £100 million offer, which would beat the previous record set by Frankie de Jong, ironically, to Barcelona, who we'll talk about. Euros, not pounds. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, Euros, which takes £78 million. Yes. £78 million is a record. It's all so the same. Eight, £80 million deal for, to get it done. And and I said that they had 67 turned down in pounds last week, and they're not far off. You know, that's only £10 million off the club record anyway, so not a million miles away. Yeah, Anthony sat out training on Thursday and Friday. Um, or was it Friday, Saturday? Friday, Saturday, I think. It's Friday, Saturday. He missed the game on Sunday. Um, he's doing his part now. He really is stepping up now. He's telling Ajax, look, time is now. He wants to go. He's going to United. We understand the story we'll be doing today. It'll be on site. Um, United are talking to his representatives now about doing the deal, personal terms, because you know we've only got a few weeks left now. They, it needs to get done. And, and Ajax are expecting a bid. Ajax are expecting this. And they are planning for his potential departure. And they've already spoken to Chelsea about taking back the... I can't. I, I did put this in the story. What was his nickname? The Wizard that the Ajax fans called him, was it? Um, to bring the club legend Hakim Zayic back to the club, which makes an awful lot of sense. And I think the fact that he might be coming back has cheered up a few Ajax fans. Although, you know, the amount of money that Ajax have brought in from this team that Ten Hag put together is amazing the amount of money that's coming in if it's sell Anthony as well but yes talks are progressing and Ajax are fully expecting United to come in with that club record bid and if it does I fully expect United to get Anthony hmm Eric Ten Hag putting a team together that's been sold for millions and millions and millions of pounds almost like I don't know two games of these United players looking awful is not enough time uh, we'll see uh, Cody Gakpo Graham Mm. As an additional, because we reported United are looking at a, a wide forward, that would be Anthony. Gakpo down as a wide forward on the left side, but can play up front as well. Yeah, it's one that when we were doing the Anthony piece, obviously it was working hard to get the line on. He's still in for him. And, and it came back that, yeah, he was still very much option. They did want two players. Ronaldo, we st- I, I still expect Ronaldo to leave. So if he does, you do need two forwards. And Gakpo... It needs to be noted he is represented by the same Philip Zerich Ten Hag. This is a deal that can be done very quickly. They know what it takes to get this deal done. And yeah, some people may see him as a backup to Anthony. No, Anthony's just first choice and he's a lot harder to do. I think they're just getting that one over the line first. Um, and then Gakpo is being considered. Another target for Jamie Vardy. He's obviously signed his new two-year deal at Leicester, so he's off the agenda now. So yeah, Gakpo is a real option. and But I think, obviously, PSG, PSV have got their Champions League game this week. So I don't think United will be pestering them. They'll be giving them the due space that they need to prepare for that second leg and allow the mighty Rude van Nistelrooy, potentially United's next manager, to get on with them qualifying for the Champions League. A 2-2 with Rangers going into the reverse game in the Netherlands, I believe. Another Dutch player, Frankie de Jong, never too far away from the headlines. United have obviously spent big on Casemiro, but it was kind of floated as, oh, they signed Casemiro now. You know, de Jong is unlikely. It might be unlikely, but at the same time, United are still in the mix for him, Graham. And given he's been United's number one target for what's been about four months now, 
and the situation over deferred wages isn't sorted out. Barcelona's wage bill isn't sorted out. Barcelona's still looking to raise money. It's not over yet, is it? And I don't think, like, if Frankie de Jong is available now, do you think United are going to turn their nose up and say no and walk away? I, I don't think so. No, not at all. And as we've said, Scott, against a lot of pressure from elsewhere, a lot of people saying very different to us. We've always said United were still in for him. We've never said United did not want Frankie de Jong. Our information from Holland and England was always that United still want him. United were always in for him, but giving him time to do what he needs to in Barcelona. And as we as we said, Scott, you know, United aren't coming out criticizing Barcelona. Then they're allowing this to take its natural course, and they always thought they could get him out. And that's how it's appearing at the moment. Barca is a continued mess, as we know. Jules Koundé still isn't registered. Aubameyang, they can't get out at the moment. Depay, Braithwaite and Titi. The list goes on. They, they just haven't got the money to do anything. So I think it's falling into United's lap. I think Barca just need to come to agreement with De Jong. I think he will, from my understanding and what I believe, I think he might have to take it in payments, his deferred money. You know, if if Barcelona had £20 million pounds spared, they'd have bought Alonso and that deal's on on hold at the minute as well. So I think if Barcelona literally had that money, they would give it to him now. And I think they will come to agreement. And I think Frankie de Jong, I, the mo- it's the most confident I've sounded United about de Jong in a number of weeks. It really is. They're, they played this well. There's still, what, as you say, 10 days Have ago, they? Scott. <laughs> I, well, I think they've done. Ev- <laughs> I, I, th- I think they've done everything they can, Scott. You know, because because De Jong, De Jong doesn't want United. He didn't want United to pay him up. He, he he's wanted Barcelona to pay his dues, and it's all been on hold because of De Jong. De Jong has played this out himself, and United have stood by him. They've believed him. You know, Eric Ten Hag speaking to him. We know he is. And United wouldn't have been doing this all along if they didn't think he wanted to come to Old Trafford. So I think United have done everything they could. And I think they've impressed De Jong with their professionalism, the way they've gone about it. And I think it all fits in. And I tell you what, Scott, if you end up with De Jong and Casemiro, it might be worth the pain of the last six weeks. Possibly. I mean... The, the, the Anthony pursuit has been a bit painful, but I guess that's a good point, isn't it? This isn't just down to Man United's um, negotiating not being particularly good. Barcelona must be an absolute nightmare to deal with. You've got no idea what they're doing from one day to the next. They probably say one thing, mean the other. Um, United probably haven't known where they've stood through no fault of their own. But Scott, I, I'm imagining you'd be hugely happy if you if you got De Jong and Casemiro because that would end basically the existence of Scott McTominay. But possibly McFred, oh, McFred, McFred, no, Scott's favourite. Do, you know, do you know what? Like I think looking at that. And I'll, I'll come to Harry in a second as well to, for his opinion. But, you know, I think McTominay and Fred is as a midfield pairing. I'm not the highest United fan in hating that. I mean, obviously it's awful and it needs to be addressed. Uh, but even with Casemiro and him, Casemiro only, I still don't think the United's midfield balance is exactly right. Uh, you'd still have, what would he play, Christian Eriksen and Bruno ahead of him. Bruno's very hit and miss. Christian Eriksen's not settled in yet. I think Fred in a more advanced pressure role would probably work. But they don't have somebody like Frankie de Jong who can carry the ball through midfield and pick passes in the final third. Bruno's very... Eriksen's quite pinpoint. Bruno's very 50-50. And I still think, even with Casemiro in there, that there is a role for somebody like Frankie de Jong to come in and slot in perfectly. You can still carry out that, carrying out from the back uh, role as well. I mean, it's a slight 
difference between what Ten Hag wanted initially. He must have seen the first two games and thought, oh my God, this defence needs some protection. Uh, conceding six goals to Brighton and Brentford is uh, is not good at all. Um, Harry, you, early season, you've not been impressed by United, I know, but if they are to pull off as many signings as we've just discussed there, are they a completely different team? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I've, I've said it on the gas tank and actually got a lot of stick in the comments about it, but you know, it isn't as doom and gloom as everybody makes it out. We're two, three games into the season. This United are in action tonight. That's their third game of the season. And they've just and lost 9-0 to Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not going to be that easy for Liverpool. But I put myself in the position that my team were in last season. After three games, it was the end of the world. And by the end of the season, OK, we didn't get the Champions League spot that we all wanted. But it was actually quite positive. Three games in is not enough to make a massive conclusion. And I've always said that you would rather, even if it does take till the end of the window, United get in the right players rather than panic by because of this urgency and this need to correct everything tomorrow and end up in a worse position 12 months down the line. So if they get the right players in, there's no reason why United still can't push on and, and finish in a European place. There's still a lot of quality players at Manchester United. And if Eric Ten Hag can get the balance right, there's no reason why things shouldn't take an upturn. But we know they need recruits. Um, and I think you're right what you're saying about the midfield. I don't think Casemiro solves everything. I think he solves one aspect of the midfield problem at Manchester United. But it's all about balance. We can get bogged down by individual names, but it's about finding a balance of players that complement one another and give you what you need as a team. And I think, yeah, you're right. Because I, I look at De Jong and I think, yes, he's good at pulling the strings from a deep position and he's good at progressing the ball and he's good at carrying the ball. But I don't see him as someone who's going to put out many fires in the way that Casemiro would. So I still think there's a world in which you could have both of those. And actually taking some of the shackles off of De Jong by having a Casemiro next to him might be better than having De Jong as the deepest lying player, in my personal view. So, yeah, if you can get those deals done, then the mood changes and a couple of results and things are very quickly forgotten in football. And, of course, as well, uh, United don't have the personnel in midfield at the moment to drop somebody who's underperforming. Bruno, Bruno Fernandes plays every single game for United, even though he's been awful for a long time. If you have a De Jong, a Casemiro and a Fred for a certain game, then... That means you've got... If Bruno doesn't perform, Ericsson could come in and replace him and you've still got a strong midfield there. That's basically what I'm trying to say. At least with that midfield with Casemiro in it, you've got somebody who you can identify as being the defensive midfielder. Whereas United teams of the past 12, 18 months, two years, you've had Fred and McTominay in there. It's kind of been where you're not really sure who's going to be the deepest of the two or it could be the pair of them. There was no real 4-3-3 identity from watching United, whereas bringing Casemiro in, he will always be that anchor. He will be that player putting out fires, like Harry says. And if De Jong is in there and he's got more of a ball-playing role and he doesn't have to worry about the defensive duties so much, that could unlock United's potential going forward so much more because De Jong won't be worrying about what's going on behind him. He'll know that he's got Casemiro next to him who has been there won it all at Real Madrid and is probably he's probably still top three in that position in world football, isn't he? So this is a, a really good signing for United. And I think thinking otherwise is a mistake. I think it's just been judged through the lens of how much he's costing. Uh, but he strikes me as a player with the right attitude who might be able to, you know, it will be driven by the job. Hopefully he's not there for just the money and he just doesn't 
evaporate into the malaise that has captured every single other player at Old Trafford at the moment. But they play Liverpool on Monday night. We're recording ahead of that game. My mood and my tone will change depending on the result. Uh, so if you're listening after that game has happened and United have lost, I will speak more like this, for goodness sake. Uh, Graham, let's move to Chelsea because they just got battered as well by Leeds. Uh, Thomas Tuchel insisted that Chelsea were the better team, even though they lost 3-0. Uh, bit of a weird one, but Chelsea are still expected to do a lot of business. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is on their list uh, as a striker. We'll come to their top target in a second, but we'll, we'll start with Aubameyang. It's stalling at the moment, but there's an expectation this one gets done. We understand. Yeah, the thing that was holding this deal up um, last week, we did a piece on it. They're, just, they're waiting for the green light from Aubameyang. Um, he wasn't certain he wanted to leave Barcelona, but he's accepted that now. Um, you can read that in 90 min. He gave the green light to negotiations. They've taken place. And now it's just Barcelona and Chelsea putting together the deal. It did initially include Alonso, but it turns out Barcelona really need the straight cash. <laughs> they're getting that desperate. They still want Alonso, and that'll probably happen, but they need the cash in to register Koundé, do other things. Um, there's so many things going on with Barcelona. But yeah, we expect this deal to be done. Um, I'm thinking around 20 million, I've been told. You know, Chelsea wanted it at 15. I think they'll come to some sort of agreement around 20, maybe a little bit more, because Chelsea know they'll get it back for Alonso anyway. So yeah, that one's moving forward, and they'll be getting a new number nine. Um, may not be the only forward to get in, but yeah, the, the that is progressing. I'd expect that to be done within days. Harry, how do you feel about that? Arsenal fan, it's, it's, it's not nice, like, you don't want to see players that have had a big impact at your club go to a rival club. But I can see why it would appeal to Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. He was very happy in London during his time here. Um, I just think it will be amazing to see a player with an Arsenal tattoo on his arm wearing a Chelsea shirt uh, week in, week out. But he's a good like he's a good finisher. He's a good goal scorer. I think Arsenal as a team evolved in a way where he just wasn't get you just weren't getting the most out of him anymore. And then obviously add all the disciplinary issues to that and, and Arsenal were clearly desperate to move him on, which is fine. No ill feeling really from me towards him, but I don't know that he solves all of Chelsea's problems, knowing what I know about him. He likes to play off the shoulder. He likes to drift out to that left-hand side, the space that Raheem Sterling occupies. I don't know if they'll get in each other's way. I don't think he's that presence in the box that maybe Chelsea are missing at times. But then again, it didn't really work with Romelu Lukaku. His biggest threat of Bamiyang's is in behind. But will a team like Chelsea most weeks be able to use that? Will they be in a position where they can counter-attack, where they're spacing behind their opponents. I think for a lot of the bigger sides, most weeks, you're facing a low block. And I don't know that Aubameyang's the best necessarily for that. So I'm intrigued to see how it will work, if indeed it does happen. But yeah, I mean, I I'd, I'd put it this way. I'm not going to be upset with him if he goes there. But I just, I don't know that he ticks all the boxes for Chelsea, if I'm being honest. Toby, uh, as we record this, just dipping back to West Ham for a second. Emerson agreed. Looks like Emerson agreed. Um, I haven't been able to check in with our sources yet, but Fabrizio Romano has said that there is personal terms agreement on a four-year deal with a medical to come. So firm up on that, but that will be a big one for West Ham. They need defensive cover. Um, he's also quite good going forward. Impressed for Leon. 
even though we battered them in the Europa League. It's the one good thing that I'm clinging on to now amongst this misery. But yeah, looks like progress. Speaking of uh, defensive cover, Chelsea are looking at Wesley Fofana, Graham, and they have been for a long time. One thing that I think most have noticed is Reese James having to fill in as a right centre-back and that kind of affects Chelsea's threats down the flanks. Uh, it seems as though Wesley Fofana is the way that they'll address that. Where are we with it? Yeah, it's it's getting there. We fully expect a third bid to be lodged this week, which will get towards 80 million, if not slightly above. And and that Chelsea are hopeful that'll be enough to get it. It's been um it's been ongoing for a few weeks now. The player's really pushing for this, you know. He missed a weekend game, you know, he missed a training session. He's he's doing he's doing an Anthony. He's doing everything he can to make this go through, and we fully expect it to happen. You know, the, there was links with Maguire, which I think Todd Burley asked about, which isn't going to happen. But for Fana, yeah, we think this one, yeah, might go towards the end of the window. It depends how stubborn, not stubborn, but depends how much less to push for. The new bid will be in excess of eighty million pound in to- in total. Um, and if that's enough, then then it'll get done. We do understand that Leicester do need are looking to get deals done, so I think that will play into Chelsea's hands a little bit because they need to free up funds. You know, James Madison looks like he's probably staying new deal. Vardy signed his deal. Leicester need to get some work done, as we saw at the weekend. Um, Leicester really need, need to get some business done here. I think it works. You know, for fan, you can't get an unhappy player, and I'll fit, I think he'll fit in like a glove, as I've said at Chelsea. I love Fafana. Um, I think it's an amazing talent. I'm saying, yeah. Um, if I was scouting around Europe, I'd be heading to San Etienne. Well, I don't know what's in the water there, but producing for Fana and Saliba is something uh, fantastic from, from their academy. The last 80 million defender Leicester sold was Harry Maguire. I <laughs> uh, wonder if his career trajectory will follow the same arc. R- reports that he's not playing tonight, Scott. Suggestions, yes, that he's not playing, and it's probably been a long time coming. I would suggest. Uh, back to Chelsea, though. Anthony Gordon is also on their list of priorities. Grim, yeah, you know, this does surprise a lot of people. It was told to me, definitely by me. I'm just putting it out there. Surprises yeah, me. Apparently, though, he, he impressed massively Thomas Tuchel when he played against them last season. I must admit, I think I remember one of those games where he created the equalizer, and they like him a lot, they really do. We think this will be, or Todd Burley's trying to make it into a bit of a baseball tri- trade, trying to throw as many of these Chelsea outliers in as possible. Where we see a Gilmore, Batswai, who amazingly, not just as Chelsea, is still a footballer, amazingly. Um, we've got Barkley. We've got a lot of players who could go the other way. Um, Trevor Chalabar is being linked all over the place now. Um, just he he's actually going back to a fan quickly. So he's been linked to Leicester strongly. But again, he could be involved with Everton. A lot of players. Remember, they can only take one loan player. I think that's the thing. What's delayed this? Some of these Chelsea deals, the players would love to, the people would love to take two or three players from Chelsea on loan. It's what we saw Newcastle linked after Pulisic, Gallagher, Ambrosia as well. Did they, and I think I've heard that Newcastle were a little bit hesitant to try to push on one just in case Conor Gallagher became available because he's the one that everyone wants from Chelsea. If he suddenly becomes available and you signed Armando Brogia last week, you'd be oh well, God damn it, I wish we'd waited seven days <laughs> if it meant getting him instead. So I think there is a little bit of that going on. It really is. Um, but yeah, Anthony Gordon, 
it hasn't progressed this one as we expected over the weekend. But the player we understand, like Fafana, like Anthony, like is becoming the trend. He's making it known he wants to leave. So I think that does a big play, a big part in this. And, and Everton, as we've seen, again, need to do a lot of business. How so much is it going to cost to get him out, Graham? You know, Chelsea didn't want to go above 45. They may have to go to 50 in terms of your overall deal. Toby, where, where is he playing that team? I, I really, I think players at that that young age, right? They should be looking at their careers. I know it's not great at Everton at the moment, but you should be looking at that Chelsea side and say, where do I fit in? Am I guaranteed to play? And if I'm not, this is not the right move for me. It, it baffles me. It's one of those where if I were Anthony Gordon, I'd be flattered by the interest, but I'd need some serious guarantees about the next stage of my career. And I don't see how Chelsea can give a relatively unproven player like that anywhere near that level of guarantee. It, it, it's crazy. It's so to strange. Toby, who's crazier? Chelsea forbidding up to 50 million or Everton rejecting up to 50 million? <laughs> uh, Everton, just. It's, it's mad on both counts. I ranted last week about Anthony Gordon, so I won't do it again. But very good point Harry makes there. He's not going to be a first-team regular at Chelsea for me. He's not done enough at Everton. Like, he just hasn't. Wesley Fofana is a different situation. 80 million for a defender who's 21, 22 years of age. But he's going to be one of the best in the game. I think we can recognise that. There's so many Anthony Gordons out there in football that Chelsea don't need to pay 50 million to get this lad. If they miss out on him, wait 12 months, wait 18 months, there'll be somebody else who is better as well. Chelsea fans may argue that uh, they produce enough quality through their academy. Why don't you bring those players in? I know that there's a lot of players that they have already brought through, but one of the most successful academies in the country and has been for a long time. Chelsea fans quite frustrated that they haven't made most use out of that. And now there are players through their academy who have gone on to blossom elsewhere. Callum hudson always when I think about there, I know that uh, they've had concerns over him for a long time, Graham. But uh, yeah, yeah, and, and he, he will be one to look at the last two weeks of the window. He's he, it, it, it's a tough one, you know. I feel sort of a bit for Chelsea when everyone remembers Bayern Munich trying to get him, but handed him a deal which is now worth close to two hundred thousand pounds a week. At this point in his career trajectory, we thought he'd be one of the main men for England, and now he's not even he won't even be on standby for the World Cup. So he's not even on standby for the Chelsea squad. So, um, and and you know, I've heard Southampton, Leicester. It might surprise where Hudson Odoi goes. He needs game time. As Harry says, Anthony Gordon needs to look. I think Hudson Odoi is doing the same. He's looking. Um, will Chelsea come back in for Zaha? It's quite possible. Will he then go there in turn? There's a lot, as Scott said at the start of the show, there's a lot to happen. There's these dominoes that I think we'll see Chelsea getting rid of quite a few of these players. Zayic, Hudson Odoi, and Pulisic could all be out the club by the end of the window. Say there's a lot to talk about. We've been going 54 minutes and we haven't even done our last section. So let's do it now. Uh, Newcastle United, Graham, are looking at more business before the end of the window. I quite, quite like the way that they've approached it. Uh, they haven't gone crazy, uh, but they are looking at potentially bringing in someone new. In what position and who is it? Yeah, Xiao Pedro, the Watford striker, the new Richarlison, if you remember when he first came in. He's, he's not dissimilar. He hasn't progressed quite as far as Richarlison. I like him. They need backup for Wilson. Is this the boy to do it? I, I'm not so sure. You know, as I've said to you guys, I fancied Newcastle all along. That's why I made that bet about being top United. They need just these two or three more, you know. They need this creative midfielder, which we've seen them go after. They tried for James Madison. They're still in for Lucas Paqueta. 
So we need to keep an eye on that one. That bird deal is still very much simmering, simmering away in the background. But they were looking for a right winger as well. And again, I'm not sure, Scott, where Jao Pedro fits in this. I've been told he's the, he's the number nine option. I would see him more as maybe that wide man. But we'll see. I expect Newcastle to do at least two of these deals, but get three. But yeah, Jao Pedro talks on going. At the moment, it's 30 million Watford one, or actually 35, but Newcastle think it'll be at 30. And they are buying potential here, aren't they? So to be fair, he's quite young still. I like him as a player, but yeah, I would hope they do a little bit more just to get them going because I said I still think they are genuine top top eight top six maybe Candice depending on who else is battling up there they certainly played well enough in the first well they played and well we, enough against Man City to draw with Man City with Dan Byrne at left back that's a remarkable performance <laughs> and that's not Dan Byrne's playing brilliantly by the way I think Sven I think Sven Botman had a very iffy debut if I'm being honest so he did get fully... a he did get rinsed for a Haaland chance didn't he, he got put on his back yeah it's hard isn't it where you know Dan Byrne's been playing against what was it Forest and Brighton first two games but then you can come in for your debut against Haaland <laughs> so I think he got a bit of a rough end rough end there right okay uh Jack Harrison just before you finish off Graham uh, it's in my notes mm. to Newcastle uh, yeah, Newcastle haven't quite given up on this yet. Even though seeing Brad Rosani say he's definitely not available, he's had a wonderful start to the season. He had a great game on Saturday, as most Leeds players did. To be fair to them, but yeah, Leeds it was a minimum thirty-five, and Newcastle have got nowhere near. We think they came in again last week with a renewed bid. It seems a little strange considering how how um, blatant Leeds have been in their disregard of their previous bid. So no, I don't expect Harrison to leave. But yeah, Newcastle they keep asking the question. They keep asking the question. Uh, I'll keep asking you questions on talking transfers in future episodes. We'll see if we're back for another episode this week. I think it might actually require it. We'll see. We have to do a De Jong special after. We have. To, we if he completes at any point, we're doing a De Jong special no matter what time. <laughs> Graham confident on this one more than he has been before. But uh, thank you very much, guys. Uh, Toby, Harry, Graham, thank you very much. It's been a pushing an hour of transfer chat uh the window closes in i believe about 10 days time on the 1st of september at the 22nd of august right now so next thursday plenty to be done from plenty of clubs remember anthony honey has a day less remember scott because the dutch league made that mess up didn't they they're closing the day before because of some paperwork mess doesn't stop them selling though does it It just stops them I don't know. I told him I know. I know you. I think the registration. So they need yeah. to get his replacement in before the deadline. Yeah. So you would imagine that would mean that they wouldn't do any deals on September the first because they'd be screwed for the next four months. So think of it as August thirty first, unless they want to. Uh, well, if, if the, the lads on strike already, uh, it can't drag and, out. And a club legend. It, I, I read some Ajax, Ajax fans are quite up up for getting Zaitch back because obviously he's a club legend and he's available on loan. It and. Sometimes things fit in really well, don't they? Yes, we'll see how it pans out. Uh, Toby, Harry, Graham, thank you very much. We'll be back very soon. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And follow us on Twitter too for all the latest transfer chat, chat about Middlesbrough and every single transfer in existence from Graham, chat about (laughs) Arsenal, chat about bottom of the league, West Ham for the next few hours at least, and me moaning about Man United being awful. Follow us at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, at Harry Simeu, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We will see you very soon for another Talking Transfers. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.